shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. Yes, for the samples, because seasonal allergies are no joke in the state of Tennessee. Or Kentucky, where I spend the summers at Hopetown. I spend most of the summer outdoors and could not function without allergy relief. Luckily, for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin clear with Claritin D. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. You just described my exact state in waking up minus the need for coffee. (laughs) I've been taking Claritin D for my allergies for years, and it's been an absolute life changer. I can be outside with the kids at camp without my eyes watering like a fountain, and I can speak without feeling like a frog has jumped into my throat. But at Hopetown, a frog could jump into your boat or your bed, (laughs) and Claritin can't really help with that. That's true, but they've got allergies covered. Ready to live life as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. Welcome to the Raising Boys and Girls podcast. I'm Sissy Goff. I'm David Thomas. And I'm Melissa Trevathan. And we are so glad you've set aside a few minutes to spend with us today. In each episode of this podcast, we'll share some of what we're learning in the work we do with kids and families on a daily basis at Daystar Counseling in Nashville, Tennessee. Our goal is to help you care for the kids in your life with a little more understanding, a little more practical help, and a whole lot of hope. So pull up a chair and join us on this journey from our little yellow house to yours. It is so great to be ending our Music City Summer Series with this incredible couple, Thomas Rhett and Lauren Akins. They've known each other practically their whole lives, and now they're both making their mark, Thomas in the world of country music and Lauren through a best-selling book and podcast. They share their hearts and their lives to lift others up. We are overjoyed to be sitting down with them today. We are thrilled to get to be in the same room with the two of you. And Lauren, it was such an honor for us to get to be on your podcast recently. We love your podcast. It's so fun. Yes, we do. Huge fans. It's so fun. And Thomas Rhett, to finally get to meet you, although we did talk about that we have trick-or-treated. I, I yeah. even, you were, y'all were Star Wars characters, yes. weren't yes. you? Oh, yes, yes. Uh-huh. Yes, so we've been in the same vicinity, but right. never gotten to meet in person. Yeah, the trick-or-treating scene in that neighborhood is so chaotic. Oh, oh I it's love unreal. It. It's magic. I love it too, Bounce houses. It's and, magic. And the sledding scene. Yes. 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 All of it. Y'all might have to come back. I know. Yeah, I know. It's the sweetest, sweetest neighborhood. I know. Well, we're excited to get to talk to the two Likewise. of you. Likewise. And would love for y'all to start maybe telling us a little bit about your family, yeah. about yourselves. What do you, you want? You want me to? You yeah, want me please. To? Okay. Um, so I'm Lauren. This is Thomas Rhett. We have been married for 10 years. And I forgot to say we want to hear how you met, too. Oh, yeah. oh we met in first grade. First grade. Oh, y'all, no way. <laughs> first grade. First yeah. grade. We did not date that whole time. <laughs> yeah. That's- I think a lot of people think we've been dating since we were first graders. (laughs) You know, we we did date for just just a minute in our sophomore year. Sophomore year. It did not end well. She broke up with me like six times that year. It was not. We just, we were better off friends. Correct. Were you all in the same school or how? We were. Okay, that's amazing. Friends for so long. Church camp. Mm -hmm. Wow. All the things. Lauren had a whole foot on me, I think. From fifth grade to about tenth grade. Yeah, I was. I was always. I was like the second tallest kid in our class, always. Everybody caught up. It was it was all good. Um, but I, we got back together my junior year, our junior year of college. Mm-hmm. And then I finished same up college. school. No. I went no. to the University of Tennessee. Okay. Go balls. I went to Lipscomb. Went to Lipscomb. Go Lipscomb. Bison. Okay. <laughs> and then, um, well, yeah, we got married after I graduated from nursing school. Um, he, his whole life, has been an entertainer, just naturally. I mean, his dad is an entertainer, and so I think he got it honest. 
But then also, even separate from your dad, he's just, I mean, that's just the way God made him. Mm. Like, he's just a natural born. He loves to be on stage. He loves to be put on the spot. He, which makes me just want to, like, crawl in a hole and never come out. (laughs) Um, So we are very opposite in that way, which is kind of funny that that we're doing what we're doing now. But uh, he pursued music, and really it, it took off in... 2014, yeah, probably mm-hmm. the biggest jump. Yeah, and then it kind of just grew from there, and uh, the Lord just had big plans for Tr's music career, which is really sweet. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's living out his biggest dream, and uh, along the way, I started working for a nonprofit mm-hmm. or partnering with a nonprofit called Love One, and I actually met Willa Gray, our oldest, in Uganda in 2016 and then we adopted her Mm -hmm. she came home in 2017 and through the adoption i got pregnant with our first biological ada james so willa gray came home may 11th 2017 and August 11th, 2017, wow. I went into the God. hospital. No way. <laughs> right James. So three months apart, we had apart, three months we had babies. being parents of one child. <laughs> three months <laughs> apart to the day we had babies. Wow. So they are very, very best friends mm-hmm. to this day. Mm-hmm. And then we had two more biological after that. All girls. Lennon was born two and a half years after Ada James. And then 21, 21 months later, just the same age apart as our older two, which is crazy. Lily, our best little surprise, came. And so now they are seven, five, three, and one. Mm-hmm. And our house is full-blown chaos at all times of the day. Mm. Um, but we love being girl parents. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is like, that's our life. Fine. But we do have nephews. We have two nephews. Yeah. Both of our sisters had little boys around the same time. So where we don't have that running around in our house, we have it close by. So it, it fills that cup for me. That's so fun. Yeah, we could do an entire episode on just your life and a house full of that many girls. That would be such a fun conversation. We may have an episode too at some point. It's insane. But hearing you share that, we'd love to just ask, when did you know you wanted music to be your life's work? I think I was always around it, you know, growing up. Like my dad, my dad, we moved to Nashville when I was like 18 months old. I was born in Valdosta, Georgia. And uh, my dad started pursuing country music in the early 90s, which was the best era of country music to me. Great yeah. era. Um, and so we we moved to Nashville early on, and my dad signed a record deal early on. So as a, you know, as a six- and seven-year-old kid, I was surrounded by it. You know, my dad was always playing, you know, old country music songs in the living room. I always was wearing, you know, as a young, young kid, a diaper and red cowboy boots and a, and a guitar just <laughs> right. cruising around the house wanting to be just like my dad. And... You know, I got to tour with him a bunch. You know, I'd try to get out of school on a Thursday or Friday and ride his bus and go watch him do these county fairs in the middle of, you know, nowhere, Illinois or Iowa or whatever. And I just always loved getting to watch my dad do what he loved. Mm-hmm. Um, that's one of the biggest things I've tried to tried to show my kids is, like, it is possible to love your job. You know, I think I think there's a lot of people that kind of go through life being like, well, this is my, this is my thing and this is what I do. Um, and it's okay, you know what I mean? And, and I think that's fine as well, but I love that my kids know that I love performing. I love that my kids know that I love getting on stage and writing songs and making records and doing all these things. And so, you know, it wasn't, I mean, I, all through high school, I was always the kid that anytime there was a, you know, a get together after a football game, I was always the guy bringing my guitar, playing, you know, probably some Matchbox 20 song or, <laughs> or whatever it was. And I was always kind of the guy that just loved to play in front of people. And so, even in third grade, he was the the yeah, lead the role in our the, third grade play. Oh, and like sang and danced and, and oh, memorized bad. all the lines. And yeah. and I've watched him mess up so many times, <laughs> just like, or just like start saying a different line or like, uh, I, like I will never forget the talent show. And you ended up winning, I think, still our senior year. But like he started to sing another verse again. And he was like, I'm just going to. I, if it's cool with y'all, I'm just going to start over. Whereas, like, I would have been <laughs> mortified if I had. But he just, it's almost like he planned to mess it up because he's so charming with the way that he's, like, just the big grin on his face and everybody's just like, oh, my word, you're so cute and you're so good at this. But and, in reality, you're panicking inside. But nobody knows. I mean, so. he's just, he truly is, it, it is wow. so, so like, where the Lord yeah. has mm. you. So mm. it's it's really fun to watch. 
But yeah, I went to, um, I tried to get into Tennessee. I, I got denied from the majority of the colleges that I applied to. Um, Georgia was my first choice. I've never seen a rejection letter come in so fast. Um, <laughs> Tennessee was my second choice. Didn't get in there. And, and uh, I had a bunch of friends that were going to Lipscomb, and my, and my stepdad went to Lipscomb. My mom actually finished her degree at Lipscomb, and so it was right down the road. So I went to Lipscomb thinking that I was probably going to go into uh, real estate or uh, sales of some sort. This kind of seemed like the path for, like, all my buddies were kind of doing the same thing. And, uh, you know, freshman year, sophomore year went by, and uh, I was still, you know, playing and put a little band together, and we played a couple, you know, little parties or whatever. And um, when I was 19, I kind of shadowed my dad because at that point my dad wasn't performing anymore. He was just writing songs. And so I would literally just go sit in the room with him and these people and just be like, man, this is incredible. Y'all can just, out of thin air, come up with a concept and come up with an idea and put melody and words over it. And then a giant artist decides it's good and they record it and they put it on the radio yes. and, you know, and you, you make money. Like, it's like you can write songs and, and make a living. And and uh, that just seems so cool to me. And so when I was 19, I signed a, uh, a publishing deal um, just strictly to be a songwriter. I had no really aspiration to be an artist. And so, you know, I started to get a few cuts uh, or recordings on, on other artists, and then the bug kind of hit me of like, man, what would it feel like to write my own songs, do the thing, give it a go? Uh, and so when I was 21 years old, I signed a, a record deal. Um, dropped out of college. Uh, it was my mom's, like, worst nightmare. She was like, mm -hmm. you're dropping out of college to, you know, do what your dad did. Uh, and so... Um, you know, and that was around the time when me and Lauren started dating again. And we started dating and got engaged six months later. And wow. I looked yeah, at her and I said— knew each other pretty well. Right. Yeah. yeah, there wasn't a whole lot more to find out. <laughs> right. I looked at her and I was like, you know, because I know, like, Lauren, like, she's really great in the limelight. But mm -hmm. I think it she's—it's never been what she loves to do is be in the limelight. And so I kind of looked at her that night and I was like, I'm not sure if you're going to love my job. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and I said that with full honesty. And mm -hmm. so— we did a bunch of premarital counseling while we were engaged and in, in our Well, if I'm being honest, the chances of you making it. Yeah, she didn't think I was gonna make were it, which pretty slim. Yeah. So I was like, well, we'll just leave I it didn't up think to God. I, was gonna make it. I mean, if you're supposed to make it, then you'll make it. And if not, I'll be a nurse and you yeah, can sell real estate sure. and it'll be great. <laughs> we'll it out, yeah. And so when she finished school, um, our our marital uh, counselor had advised us for her not to work her first year out of college, like to not go the hospital route the first year of college she really encouraged us to be fully a unit first year of marriage um, yeah because yeah. at that at that point in time I was doing Harry what 200 and 200 plus shows a year I mean it was wow. like constantly I feel like it was wow. or more yeah like yeah how much was it the first year about 250 yeah the first year and so will you say who Harry is just so uh, yeah Harry like, is, <laughs> uh, is my manager yeah he's over there he's from England he and he loves Liverpool soccer. You should know that. Um, football, Liverpool football. Sorry. Yeah, exactly. Very cool. Loves long walks on the beach, and um, but no. So uh, you know that first year that she got out of college and we were married, Lauren literally did every single show with me. We shared a bunk on the bus. No, and it's like yay wide. You know, uh, living with seven dudes that we showered once every few days, you know, depending on the fair or festival we got to play. Uh, had horrible, you know, catering every single day. We're playing at noon for 30 minutes before the headline and all this kind of stuff. And so after that year, Lauren was like, I think I'm good, you know, and— and uh, I'll go, like, when you go to the beach or the, yeah. the mountains. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Anytime I would play in a cool city, she would be like, I'll go to that one. Mm -hmm. you know? I mean, cities have their own cool moments, but there were just some cities I really wanted to go to and others I was good to hang yeah. in Nashville. Sure. So that's kind of how I got into this whole thing, and, and now I've been doing it since uh, 2011. Wow. So almost 11, you know, 11 years, 10 or 11 years, so. 12. I'm so bad at math no. as well. You should, you should know that. I was that. about to say, wow, a decade. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, a decade and some. Yeah, yeah a decade plus. Yeah. But yeah, we, wow. we have gone, we've been through uh, some really amazing ups and some really, really low lows uh, through yeah. Yeah. these last, you know, 10 years or whatever. But um, man, ki kids for me have really reshaped the majority of my being. You know what I'm saying? Like, so I know we're going to get into that stuff. But recalibrated our hearts. That's, yeah. that's a great saying, recalibrated mm -hmm. our hearts. Yeah, recalibrated our hearts. Yeah. That's good. That's good. David, I made the most amazing fish on the stovetop the other night. 
Really? Connie usually bakes fish because it sticks to the pan. I know, but I'm using my green pan and it's perfect for pan searing. The fish cooked perfectly and didn't stick. We love our green pan. Haven't made fish in it yet though. Can't wait to tell Connie about this. You know what else is amazing about green pan? They are the leaders in creating cookware without harmful toxins. Green Pan introduced the world to ceramic nonstick cookware and they have over 150 patents to prove it. A lot of cookware companies say they are toxin free, but if they are not PFAS free, then they're not toxin free. Ceramic cookware doesn't emit fumes, conducts heat evenly, is super easy to clean up, and allows you to cook with less oil or butter, making the food you cook healthier. Green Pan has a 60-day return policy, so when you try it, you have plenty of time to make sure Green Pan is right for you. You know, David, it's gotten a little comical how much we talk about food on this podcast. Hey, everybody's got to eat. Might as well talk about it. It's something we can all relate to. That's true. So join us in good eating by upgrading your cookware with Green Pan. Head to greenpan.us and use promo code RBG to receive 30% off your entire order plus free shipping on orders over $99. That's right, 30% off. Whether you buy one pan or a whole set, that's 30% off. So head to greenpan.us and make sure you use promo code RBG or they won't know we sent you. Sissy, are you starting to sense that back to school angst is in the air at the office? Oh, yes. Parents are juggling all of the last-minute prep, doctor's appointments, school supply shopping. I do not miss those days. You know what I would have loved back then? Simple, modern. They make it so easy to grab everything you need for back to school. Yes, they have backpacks, lunch bags, water bottles with designs from partners like Disney, Marvel, and more. And for those students who would choose athletics over their favorite characters, they have great looking products for you too. I love their Summit water bottle. My big kids love it too. I don't go anywhere without my Voyager travel mug these days. I love that Simple Modern gives 10% of their profits to organizations that are committed to causes like education, fighting human trafficking, helping underprivileged communities. It's a bonus when companies with amazing products also care about the things you care about. Go to www.simplemodern.com slash RBG. And by sharing your email, you'll get a unique discount code just for you or bundle and save for back to school. This should be your go-to brand for your family. Go to www.simplemodern.com slash RBG. Sissy, we just spoke in town last night and reminded the parents in the room about putting on their oxygen mask first. That great reminder that flight attendants give parents when they board flights. With summer rolling around and kids home more hours of the week than ever, that reminder feels so important. A hilarious dad who works from home told me last night at the book table that when school ends, sometimes his sanity does as well. (laughs) (laughs) You know who could help that dad out? Our friends at Wendy. Wendy is here to help parents relieve the stress in finding high-quality sitters when they need them. I am talking daily with parents who are worried about summer childcare logistics. Wendy offers a nanny service where they match college students with families for the summer. We all love summer, and your kids especially love summer, but we lose the consistent schedule of kids in school. This creates all kinds of problems. Thankfully, there is a solution to this problem. Wendy, that's W-Y-N-D-Y, is an app that connects families to college student nannies literally in minutes. These college student nannies are background checked, interviewed, and honestly, just awesome. Wendy has been around for seven years. Over 20,000 families have used Wendy to complete more than 140,000 jobs. There are hundreds of qualified college student nannies on Wendy ready to work near you. Families have greater child care needs in the summer, and college students are looking for jobs. Wendy is here to match families to these college nannies. Everybody wins. This could be part-time or full-time. Wendy has a match for your needs. All you have to do is go to wendy.com slash rbg 
to start a search for a nanny. And as a special offer, they're going to knock $50 off your search if you go through that link. Wendy provides top-notch service, but at a fraction of the cost of a traditional nanny agency and no ongoing fees. Here's how it works. Go to wendy.com slash rbg to start your search. A Wendy concierge will find great matches for your job and set up interviews for you. You choose the one you like. Get started now because there are a lot of parents out there looking for nannies for the summer. Go to wyndy.com slash rbg. Well, to not love the limelight, wow. She's excellent. (laughs) Yes, um, but not just with him, but also on your own. Mm -hmm. To be a New York Times bestselling author, to have your own amazing podcast that we've already mentioned, (laughs) Live and Love, which is also the title of your book, which everybody needs to get. Yes. Everybody already has it. You're a New York Times (laughs) bestselling author, but the few out there who don't. And to be raising four girls. And to be a philanthropist. I mean, mm-hmm. you're making such a difference with Love One International. I mean, that, I don't even know how you do it all. I'd love for you to start with talking about that, Lauren, <laughs> number one. And number two, will you talk more about Love One and what you're doing yes. through them? Um, we, so when he his career was kind of taken off, I just kind of felt this, like, so grateful and proud of him and happy to be his supporting wife, like that is 100% a role that I want to fill and do and do well. But there was also a part of me that was like, okay, well, there is Lauren, Mm. Lauren alone, like just Lauren in her own. And like, what, like, what do you have for me, Lord? Like just for me, because I love supporting him and I love traveling. But after that year, it, it was really, I didn't feel like that was supposed to be kind of my purpose, you know, for the next however many years. Um, And so I really started pursuing, you know, what that would look like if I did find something that I felt like the Lord called me into. And we had been praying about it and talking about it. And he was like, well, what do you, what do you like to do? And I'm like, well, obviously, you know, I went to nursing school. I'm, I love doing that. But the thought of working at a hospital, you know, that just wouldn't with his schedule and the timing, I really needed something that was ultra flexible. And so I started looking into like, I mean, what would it look like to travel? And like, I've always wanted to go overseas or just do some sort of missions because you can totally tie in that medical part of it. But I just didn't really have that connection anywhere. So I was like, just kind of left that door open and just kind of like, okay, Lord, like, you know, my heart, you know, what makes my heart beat. And so I really, we just prayed into that. And um, a friend of mine randomly one day was like, hey, I I think that you should meet my aunt. They are, they have a nonprofit and they are going to go to Haiti in like two weeks. It was like or three weeks. It was really quick. I didn't know anybody. And he said, one of the nurses just dropped out. I think you should go. And I was like, I've never really been out of the country. And other than like a cruise that we did with our family, like in high school. Mm-hmm. And I, I've never met anyone from this nonprofit, but he connected us and I looked at Thomas Rhett and he had like a one, maybe die happy man. One of your songs was like, you were going to New York and LA and late night shows and morning shows. And you know, where you go and do fancy dinners and dress up and do all the interviews. And, um, I, I remember it was right, it was overlapping right in then. And I was like, well, I, I mean, this is a really big deal for you. Like you've got this record coming out and I want to be here to support you. And I'll never forget him looking at me and being like, this this is what like you have been searching. Like this is what you've been waiting for the Lord to open that door. And wow. I think that you should do it. And you said, I... I think that I would rather you be over there serving and praying for me there than being next to me here. Mm-hmm. Wow. And and I was like, really? And it was like kind of that moment where he kind of, you know, helped me really go walk into that. And so I'll never forget, I said yes, met the group like two days before we flew out of the country. And for me, my personality, that is something that totally he would do, but not something that is really comfortable to me. But it it felt like a moment. And I feel like the Lord has done this a bunch in the book being one of those things where I almost feel like I was standing on like an edge of a cliff. 
and like deciding whether or not to jump. Like this seems like it could be really scary, also an incredible adventure, but I kind of need like confirmation that you need me to jump. And that was one of the moments where I felt like the Lord was like, I need you to jump and just trust Mm. me and walk through that door. So I did. And Suzanne Marinick is who I went with on this trip. And she is the founder of Love One International. But when I watched her love on these children, love the community in that we were in in Haiti, and um, it was like, I like to describe it when people meet the person that they are going to be like in love with or they feel like there's their partner for life. Like when they describe love at first sight, that's what I felt like mm. when I was in Haiti for the first time. Wow. And it was like my soul— it's like everything it was created and made up to be, like just, it was made for that. Mm-hmm. Whatever that looked like. It didn't have to be in Haiti, but whatever that, serving the way that Love One operates and, and the incredible work that Love One does, like that is what makes my heart just fly. Mm-hmm. And so I told Suzanne after that week of serving with them and having an incredible, like such a fun week, um, we were back at home. We were flying back to America. I was meeting him in Vegas for the ACMs or yeah. something. What a shift. Culture shift. Yeah. So yes. for someone who's never done that before, wow. not knowing how to prepare your heart necessarily for that, but just kind of letting the Lord do what he's going to do. Coming back to America, I would advise maybe that's not the first place <laughs> that you go. <laughs> <laughs> so yes. when I flew back in, I was talking to Suzanne on the airplane and um, not knowing what heart shift was about to happen when I landed in the States. But I told her, um, I said, listen, I I want to do this with you. Like whatever that looks like, I want to be a part of what you're doing. I want to help. I, I don't know what that looks like, but I just, if you'll have me, I want to do what you're doing. And she said, are you sure? And I said, Yes, like 1,000%. She goes, is Thomas Shrek going to be okay with this? And I was like, yes, he is going to be okay with this. And I said, when you book a flight, book me one too. I want to be sitting right next to you. I don't care where it is. And so from that day on, truly, she was like, all right, well, we're going back to Haiti. And then two trips later, she was like, and now we're going to go all the way across the world. We're going to go to Uganda. And so that was my third trip with Suzanne when I met Willa Gray. Um, and it kind of just started from there. And so now Suzanne is one of my very best friends and I serve on the board of Love One. Mm. And what we do now is we are only in Uganda now and we are trying to really just dig our roots in deep Mm. in Gulu and do that part really well and to make sure, you know, we're kind of having a greater impact rather than spreading ourselves thin and having a bunch of different places that loved one serves. And um, so we take care of malnourished children mm-hmm. and our goal is to rehabilitate them, get whatever care they may need. A lot of times it's medical um, or nutritional or um, sometimes the home life isn't safe. But our goal is to get children back in safe homes with their families. And sometimes that means finding an auntie or a jaja or a neighbor down the street who is willing to, and then and then we'll kind of come alongside and assist if if there is a need there. But our goal is to keep children with their families and for them not to end up in a children's home. And in the last, so we've kind of reshifted. And once we've reshifted and just been in Uganda and what Love One has done in the last five years and who we have become in the last five years, we have served over 10,000 children in Uganda. Wow. That's amazing. So it's like just watching the Lord take that and make it what it, what it has become today and how the children that, you know, we've been able to care for, how their lives are changed and also how that in that community starts to shape the communities and just in education and knowing that we're there. I think that the ripple effect of what Love One is doing right now has the ability to change the country of Uganda. I really do. And it is just the coolest thing that he allows us to partner with him in that and and kind of get to be his hands and feet on earth. And y'all, it's we have over 70 Ugandan employees in Gulu, and every one of them are like truly— like, I think the Lord just dropped angels onto earth. And I'm like, oh, 
I cannot believe I have spent 30 years without knowing you. Um, but it's remarkable. I could talk for hours about Love One and our staff in Uganda and and Suzanne and our board and Grace, who's one of my best friends who works for Love One now. But um, actually, she's Suzanne's daughter. But it, it's incredible. And everyone should go check out what Love One is doing because yeah. it's it's making a huge impact in the world. And I'm just so proud to get to be a part of it. Mm. But yeah, I think when I came back into the country that first time and he saw how much my heart had shifted, this was after I locked myself in a Vegas bathroom and cried for three hours. (laughs) 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 But he saw, he saw that shift in me and was like, I want to support you and whatever Mm. that looks like. And so he's, you know, been such a huge supporter of Love One and what we do and it's just been really cool to watch both of us be able to step into those dreams and then have children along the way. And, you know, as kids keep coming, we just keep navigating. Like we don't want to give up these dreams, but we also know that like our number one purpose right now is to raise these little girls that God has given us and make them a priority. But it is really cool you kind of touched on this earlier, being able to teach them. Like he went out of town two nights ago and he was tucking the girls in bed and they were like, why do you have to leave all the time? And he was like, well, like, you know, this is what God allows daddy to do. I get to go put smiles on people's faces and and this is like my job. Like this is how I provide for y'all and it's something that fills my heart. And, and this is what daddy, this is what your daddy does for work when other daddies maybe do different things. Other mommies may do different things. And same for when I go to Uganda, our older two really get it now. But, you know, they're like, why do you have to leave for, you know, 10 days or whatever it may be, which feels really hard leaving your kids Mm -hmm. to do things like that. But I'm also like really proud of the fact that my girls are watching me pursue things that I feel like the Lord has called me into and still keeping my girls the priority. Mm -hmm. But knowing that sometimes that means... When daddy's off tour, mommy goes to Uganda and and she helps to take care of children who, you know, are, you know, Willa Gray's, her original village, you know. Mm. And so I think that's really powerful yes. for her to watch mommy go take care of all the little girls and little boys like Willa Gray. Mm. And um, and so she she asks a lot, like, you know, when am I, when are you going to get to take me? I want to go back and see. And so we've, mm. we're hoping really soon that we'll be able to take her back and yeah. let that become a part of her raising too yes. and getting to live into that. Um, but yeah, it's chaos. It's chaos at the house. It's a lot of juggling. Um, as much as we can, we try to simplify. Sure. Just to try to make the main things the main things. But um, it... <laughs> I, I do feel like we've kind of got a handle on it. I feel like having the fourth kid, honestly, was the moment where I really was able to start parenting open-handed mm. because I felt like I could control things a little bit more with the first three. I was kind of able to hold on to some control. Mm-hmm. And I felt feel like that number four, when that number four comes along, at least for me, it was number four that I was like, I— I'm just going to have to just give it to you and let you tell me how to parent these kids. And um, and so far, Jesus just holding my hand the whole way, all day, every day. <laughs> but it's sweet. It's so much fun. We're tired, yep. but sure. our hearts are full. I will never forget. I mean, probably 10 years ago, I had an adolescent girl I was working with, and she was struggling with her parents and I asked her to write a letter to them not necessarily to give them but just to kind of express what was going on and one of the things she said was mom I need you to find yourself so that I can do the same wow Wow. you both I mean it is so evident when you talk about that part of what you do and Mm -hmm. saying it fills my heart yeah you have more to give them out of that full heart of what you do for sure yeah you know what you give your girls and I just I love that that's what they're growing up watching. Yeah. You both knowing who you are and mm-hmm. what God's called you to do and that sure. you get to love them in the midst of that and out of that. Yeah. It's sweet. Places. Yes. It's sweet. Yeah. Suzanne actually used to tell me when I was just sucking wind when my kids were really little and I'm like, I don't know how to do this. She said, if you don't find a way to fill your cup, you are going to not be able to pour anything out mm-hmm. from your cup yeah. to fill your children's yes. cups. Amen. And I was like, Oh my gosh. 
you're right. But what does that look like? Mm-hmm. I need more direction. So I think our community and just like mentors in our life that people we look up to and want to parent like and be married like and be friends like are that that's been so impactful. Yeah. I feel like in just the way that has shaped the way that we raise our girls and yeah. how we do marriage and yeah. how we do life. And so I would say that is something that I don't feel like we just came up with this stuff on our own. You know, it's it's people that have lived it and are wise. And yeah. for us, it's people who are really walking in faith. And those are the people that we really hang on to their words mm-hmm. and watch how they've done their life. And yeah. it's, that's, I think that's crucial. As the two of you live into those callings and your girls get to watch you do that, would love Thomas Rhett to ask you, you've had a lot of amazing experiences and opportunities. Do you have one or maybe one or two favorite moments as you think back on your career? And can we just jump in there and say, and do you each have a favorite song of yours too? <laughs> you're talking about that. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think. Um, I think I did a really poor job um, in my career of con- looking too far in the future, you know, like I, mm-hmm. I think there were some really incredible moments that happened in my career. I've talked about this a lot, but I don't think I ever really took the time to sit and cherish when things were really, really cool. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Because mm-hmm. it was always like, okay, that's that happened. We did it. Congratulations. What's next? Yeah. You know, but I feel like 2019, like there was there was this shift that was happening in me and I don't really know what caused it, but 2020 really <laughs> drove it home. Drove the stake in. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was around 2019 where I felt like I started to simplify a little bit and like really kind of get back to the root of who I am like as a human being and the, the things I grew up loving and the things that I kind of put on the back burner for the sake of the grind and the hustle and the just when, when was it? You know what I'm saying? Like I, that's kind of what that was like my mentality for the first like eight years of my career. And I, there's nothing wrong with wanting to win, but when it became my idol, you know, of just having to win or else all else was failure. Um, 2019, I started to really come to this conclusion of like, man, we, like, I didn't do any of this. You know what I'm saying? Like, God had his hand on it the whole time. Like, I look back at my career and I'm like, how in the world did that happen? That shouldn't have happened. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, songs going number one, selling out certain places. It was like, how is this humanly possible? You know what I mean? I'm just a dude that makes words rhyme. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And, um, but I, but I think if I could look back on one pivotal moment, it would have been in 2019. I got to headline uh, Madison Square Garden. Mm. And wow. you know what's funny about it is like Bridgestone is like the same size as MSG. Mm. You know, like all these arenas are physically hold the same capacity of people. So it's not like I'm looking back at like, man, there was 80,000 people at, you know, MSG. But the same 12,000, 13,000. But I think walking the halls of that place and seeing, you know, the Rolling Stones' six nights mm-hmm. in MSG or Billy Joel's residency that he just hung up. Like, all these people that—it's just an iconic venue, and my whole family got to be there. Um, it was just a very, like—I don't know. I think that's, like, one of my favorite memories of my career was getting to play MSG for the first time as a headliner. Yeah. So. That makes tons of sense. Yeah. <laughs> it was really cool. Mm-hmm. Do you have a favorite song, song of those you've written or a favorite of his that he has? You're asking her? Mm. I'd love to hear from both of you. Oh, okay. Well, we know what your least favorite is. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have to go there. Um, I feel like the one, one of the ones that I go back to a lot, actually a couple, I feel like the one that feels the most nostalgic to me just with the way that we grew up and like our friendship over however many years it's been is 16. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I feel like that just, I can see us growing through the years in that song, which is sweet. It feels like a memory to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really love You Heard. Mm-hmm. I've said that for, since you wrote it. Yeah. That I, I love, I just think that just shows the goodness of the Lord in that song. And it just like my whole heart is in that song. Mm-hmm. And then I probably can't talk about what your new stuff is. Am I allowed to? I don't know. Harry's, you can ask Harry. <laughs> I feel like he's got, he has a song, well, at least one that y'all wrote. Which one? Church. Oh, Church. Yeah. 
Is that what it's called? Uh-huh. Ooh, it's your jam. Lauren likes nostalgia. Mm. Um, she's not a big fan of R and B, and I love R and B. So it's, that's, a, that's a big uh, mm-hmm. wall yeah. right there between <laughs> yeah, yeah. us. Yeah. Uh, but I would second. I think I think sixteen is one of my favorite songs for sure. Mm. I'm just a giant like Eric Church fan, like uh, mm. like Corey Smith, like back in the day in college. Hence, and it, and Church. It, it feels. <laughs> I'm just a bit. I'm a nostalgic songwriter. Anything that makes me feel like high school, I'm a sucker for cheesy nostalgic high school football, Netflix shows and movies and. Yeah, that like kind of takes you back to like yeah. the moments mm-hmm. growing up, and yeah. you're like, oh man, that was just. Awesome. Like yep. those are the days. Yeah. For sure. See, we're not we that agree. different in your music. Yeah, <laughs> not that different. Yeah. <laughs> you know what's come in handy up at the lake, David? Our KiwiCo boxes. Oh, I bet the boys are loving them. They are, and their KiwiCo projects are perfect for winding down with some indoor fun after a morning on the lake. There's just something about coming home off the water, putting on dry clothes, and settling down to do a good project. Yes. The other day, they worked on the Science of Trees crate for hours. There were multiple projects included that allowed them to explore trees in so many ways using different play patterns. I shared my crates with one of our counselors who has young kids. He told me they did the Fun With Flight crate last week. They built a stomp rocket and a kite I mean, do those sound like perfect summer projects or what? I love how thoughtful KiwiCo is with the combination of activities that come in each crate. If you're new to KiwiCo, it's a super cool subscription for your kids that offers fun and enriching science and art projects, encouraging them to get outside, explore, and stay off their screens. It can be hard to find creative ways to keep kids busy and off their screens, especially during the summer when you're working. KiwiCo makes it easy for you and your kids to enjoy the summer season with hands-on fun. KiwiCo has something for everyone from newborns to teens, like creating giant bubbles, experimenting with ice cream, building a bottle rocket, or even a ukulele. Each crate comes with everything your kids need, including kid-friendly materials and easy-to-follow instructions, making it the perfect boredom buster if you're on the go this summer. KiwiCo has been creating awesome family experiences for the last 10 years with over 40 million crates delivered and over 20,000 five-star reviews. Have a great summer with KiwiCo. Right now, get 50% off your first month plus free shipping on any crate line at KiwiCo.com. Promo code RBG. 50% off your first month plus free shipping at KiwiCo.com. Promo code RBG. KiwiCo.com. Promo code RBG. David, did you ever give your kids gummy candy for breakfast? I mean, there were days they didn't have the most nutritious breakfast, but no, we never gave them gummy candy. It sounds crazy, right? Yet so many kids eat vitamins with their breakfast that are basically gummy candy. That's why Haya was created, the pediatrician-approved superpowered chewable vitamin. Formulated with the help of nutritional experts, Haya is pressed with a blend of 12 organic fruits and veggies, then supercharged with 15 essential vitamins and minerals, including vitamin D, B12, C, zinc, folate, and many others to help support immunity, energy, brain function, mood, concentration, teeth, bones, and more. Haya is designed for kids of all ages and sent straight to your door so parents have one less thing to worry about. And don't forget about Henry's favorite part of Haya Vitamins, the customizable jar. That little jar really gets Henry excited about his vitamins. We've worked out a special deal with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. Receive 50% off your first order, to claim this deal, go to HayaHealth.com slash RBG. This deal is not available on their regular website. Go to H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H dot com slash RBG and get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults.
Well, in this season of the podcast, we're talking about raising emotionally strong and worry-free kids. Oh, wow. And would love to hear if you each have a memory or story, speaking of being nostalgic, of growing up that has really shaped you into who you are. Do you want me to go first? Yeah, I'm going to think. Well, I feel like this is just on the forefront of my brain right now. My parents are moving (laughs) from my childhood home right now, and it's killing me. (laughs) But in the best way, they're going to be so close, and I would rather them be close. But it's the house that they brought me home from the hospital, Mm. and I'm the oldest. It's the only house they've ever had. And so 30-something years of being in that neighborhood. And, I mean, when you talk about nostalgia and even a lot of, like, what I talk about in my book is all the foundation of me is was around that house with the people in that neighborhood. And the neighborhood is very different now. A lot of people have moved away. Um, some people have passed away. And... But when I go back to think about, like, who I am and, like, the foundation of, like, who I became, how I became who I am, Mm. I am back in that neighborhood at my parents' house with my siblings, with all of my best friends, with our neighborhood friends, laying in the street, watching the stars at night and just talking about life. Mm. And, like, I still— we did that when we went and spent the night at my parents' house for the last time a couple weeks ago. We all laid in the street with my kids and my siblings and their significant others and my parents and told stories. And it just, oh, my gosh, mm. my heart. Oh, my goodness. It just, I hope that we get to, like, relive that in heaven. Mm. <laughs> relive moments. Be like, can we yes. go do that again? Mm. Can we go to Jolton? Is that what you're yeah. going to say? Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that's probably fundamentally when I go back to who I am, I'm back in that in those moments. And there were a lot of them. So it shaped you in in like simplicity. Oh way. yeah. Simplicity, yeah. nature. Nature is a huge part of my heartbeat. Mm. Um the stars, the sky. I mean, I just learning about creation, I think. Mm-hmm. But that's like my dad is such an adventurer and my mom too. But they really instilled that in me and I feel like some there aren't many neighborhoods like that anymore mm-hmm. you know where kids yeah. are just all the doors are unlocked and kids yes. are running around barefoot and you don't yeah. see your kids till your mom's on the front porch going supper's ready mm-hmm. and everybody comes running you got 12 extra kids rolling in the house hoping they can get a cheeseburger from your yeah. mom mm-hmm. um, but it, the simplicity and is what we I mean I I will still take my girls outside and we'll look for four leaf clovers and We'll lay in the grass and look up at the sky and talk about the clouds and what they look like. And wow. I just, I want them to grow up knowing, like falling in love with creation in that way too yeah. and appreciating it, the detail and beautiful slow life down a little bit. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think since 2020, simplicity and balance has kind of been our family, not motto, but it's like mm-hmm. that's, those are the two words that I've, I've really been trying to live by. Mm. It's super, there's so much noise in this yeah. world and, and, uh, when we do take the time to like really just peel back the layers of our lives and like get back to the basics, like the amount of peace that I feel in those certain moments is uh, kind of indescribable. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think that because that's that's such a complex question for me. Mm-hmm. It's like what moment in your life sh- you feel like shaped you? Because I think all the moments shaped me, um, and not to like take this to a to a sad level by any means, but I I feel like growing up. You know, my, my parents got divorced when I was um, nine. Is that right? Mm-hmm. I think nine or ten. Um, and so I, I, I had a completely different childhood, you know, than Lauren did. Um, like Lauren's parents are still, you know, rocking to this day. And, and uh, But what I think I learned throughout the course of my childhood and then now as a 33-year-old man is like how wounds can come in and trauma can come in as a, as a young kid. And you start to kind of have to— a little bit fin for yourself a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Because you, you start to wonder, like, man, does anybody stay? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Um, and so I would imagine that that is where a lot of my, uh, what do you call it? Anxiety. Maybe anxiety, but, like, insecurity of, like, Worry. what does that person think about me? Or mm. am I as good as? Or maybe if I just work hard enough, mm. then I can make X happen. You know what I'm saying? And I think that was probably my coping mechanism as a kid 
was to try to figure out why is this happening? You know what I'm saying? Like I've got great memories from my childhood, but if I'm but if I'm going to like what I learned through my childhood was like is that God truly can take things that are broken and put them back together. Mm-hmm. Um cuz I watched my parents get divorced and and all that kind of stuff and then I watched, you know, my, then when my mom got remarried, it was like a little piece got put back together because my stepdad came into my life and as it was a huge contributor to me as a man. You know, I, mean, I think he, him and my dad both, but they both taught me hard work. They both taught me how to treat others with kindness and love and, and all these things. And then three years ago, my dad got remarried. I never in a million years thought it would happen. And so now here I am as a 33-year-old man. And even on Thanksgiving, like my dad and his wife and my little brother come over for Thanksgiving with, with our entire family. Wow. You know what I'm saying? So it, I think what I've learned that things that seem broken in the moment does not mean that they're broken for forever. Mm. Um, things can be put back together. Mm-hmm. And so that was a very long-winded way of answering the it's shaping question. A very encouraging but way. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah. Well, and building on that, are there things that you all would say help your girls become emotionally strong or worry-free? Um, I think so much of parenting is just like, for me, is trying to lead uh, by example, mm-hmm. you know? So if I'm a worry wart, you know, and, and full of anxiety, like that that trickles down. You know what I'm saying? Like they, they always say like leadership starts at the top and in our house we are kind of, you know, the, the, the head honchos, you know? And so I think I love that our kids get to watch me and Lauren love each other, but I also love that they get to watch when we do get into a little, little bit of an argument. I love that they get to watch us make up for that. I love that they get to watch us say I'm sorry to one another. I yes. love that they get to watch us say I forgive you to one another. Mm. Um, you know, show affection. You know what I mean? Like my wife is the most non-PDA human being in the world. <laughs> but uh, but I think, you know, I think they get to watch us at our best and they see us at our worst. And I think what do we do in our worst you know what I'm saying? Like, how are we coming out of that pit to come back to our true self, I think, is the best way that I know how to lead my little girls. Because I think it's okay to look at them and be like, hey, I'm sad today or I'm worried about this thing I got next week. And that's kind of what's in my brain. That's why I'm not really here. just wanted you to know that. Mm-hmm. I'm not tuning you out. I just, there's a lot on my mind right now. And I think that it's good for them to, like, know that about us so that we don't seem like perfect parents because we're not. Mm-hmm. And I think there's, you know, it was kind of, that way for a lot of like my friends too. I think we always thought, oh, so-and-so's got perfect parents and -and so-and-so's got perfect parents. And then something happens and you're like, well, dang, how did that happen? You know what I'm saying? And so I kind of like that our kids know our flaws just as much as they know uh, the good, the good parts about our hearts. Cause I think it shows them that they don't have to be perfect either. Yes. As their heroes. Yeah. Um, Cause if they watch you never argue, they watch you never have anything wrong, Mm -hmm. then they think they in a way that that's how they got to be. Mm-hmm. And if something is wrong, then they're like, well, mom and dad don't really talk about that kind of stuff. So I'll just kind of either keep it in here or go tell somebody else about it. You know what I'm saying? Like, I hope that we become the most open book parents on the planet. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like, I want my girls when they're 15 and, oh, God, I'm good. I can wait on them being 15. <laughs> but I hope that they can, like, be like, hey, dad, like, this is going on. You know what I mean? Because I because that. we've opened that door for them at such a young age. And so, um, but yeah, I think just like really letting them in on what is going on in our hearts um, and how we're actively trying to make those sad or anxious parts better. Mm-hmm. I think that that just kind of allows them to be able to go through the same process. So. Thank you. That's, I would, I wouldn't add a whole lot to that. I do think some of my favorite parenting moments started out where I was probably crying and my girls <laughs> saw me and I kind of tried to like go into the bathroom and be like, mommy's going to be right back or whatever. <laughs> but they're old enough, at least my older two, they just, you can't get anything past kids. You can't, you can't lie to them. They know, they know if you're not being honest. Mm-hmm. And so I'll never forget one of the first times my girls, Willa Gray, our oldest, knew something bothered me and um I was just gonna go into the bathroom and like brush my teeth for the night and get ready for bed and I was like I'll be right back and I was just in there just tears rolling down my face getting ready for bed and I'm just like trying to have a moment and she quietly comes in and I turn around and she just she seemed so old in the moment but she sat 
on, I'll never forget her sitting on the edge of our um, bathtub. And she was just kind of looking down at her feet almost to like give me privacy. It felt like, Mm -hmm. like she wanted to like make sure that she was, it felt like she was being really sensitive to me. And at, at, at six or seven years old, I was, I couldn't believe that she did this, but she was kind of looking down at her feet and she said, mommy, was today a hard day for you? And of course the tears just really started flowing then. And I said, yeah, baby, today was, today was hard for mommy. I'm going to be okay. It just, sometimes it makes me feel better to cry. And, um, she said, well, you know that you can always ask me for help. (laughs) (laughs) But like when she said that back to me, it was like, first of all, my heart immediately was healed. And then it was just like, just tears of like, oh my word, like she's starting to say back to me things that we say to them. Mm -hmm. And like, I'm already seeing her model that and like be a leader in that of like, hey, I see a wound here. Maybe I can speak into that or just be a friend in that or just love her in that. And I'm like, oh my goodness. So now it's just, if I'm upset, we just, we just talk about, we just talk about all of it. Mm -hmm. And I don't try to hide the tears anymore. Well, but I love that you said, I'm sad and I'm going to be okay. I mean, that, because it is modeling so much of what Mm -hmm. it looks like to be honest and vulnerable and that ultimately we're going to be okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's a beautiful thing for those girls. Seriously. (laughs) So, okay, thinking back, talking about worry and anxiety, we feel like parents are more anxious than ever before. There is way more pressure than Mm -hmm. there has ever been on kids, but on parents too. And Mm -hmm. if you had to say, which y'all are kind of, you span a good range developmentally with your girls. But if you had to say something you worried about in the really early years, you called them the sucking wind years earlier. (laughs) If there was something that you worried about, what would it be? Like about our children? That you wish you hadn't. Yes. About our children? Yes. I mean, this is kind of cliche, but, um, you know, what's the kind of quote? It's like, babies babies aren't made of glass. Mm. Mm -hmm. Never heard that. That's great. Well, I think that was probably someone trying to just cheer me up a little bit. um, (laughs) But my biggest my my biggest fear was that they were always going to get hurt. Yeah, like not physically. even emotionally, or, but just physically. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And like, and like my attention to detail compared to her attention to detail is like this. Um, <laughs> and you know, being a new parent, you're just kind of like, they can't do that. They can't do this. They can't do that. And like, I remember when she would leave, even for 30 minutes, and I'd be alone with two toddlers, and be like. I'm just going to hold y'all until she gets back, <laughs> you know, just, just to guarantee That's that no. Because if you let a toddler out of your psyche, even Lily, she's 18 months old. I mean, I literally use the bathroom, and she's already climbed the stairs. Right. And just, like, peeking her head through the rail on the top section. I, mean, I know she can't fall through there, but it's just like, that was 30 seconds of me not eyeballing you. That something tragic could have happened. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I'll never forget Lennon when she was young, this table that— for some reason, weighed 60 pounds. It's like an iron side that table. That she could tip over. That's a good piece of advice. Don't get an iron side table <laughs> yeah. if you've got little kids in your house. And I'll never forget, we were, we, yes. were, we were cooking dinner, and she was she was kind of setting some cups on it, and then I noticed her kind of rocking it a little bit, and it came over and landed straight on her hand. It fell hand, down, and, and she I was fell like, down. It landed on her never, hand. She's never going to write. She's never, she's never going to draw. We did take her to the ER. We thought it was broken. It her was instant was blue. Oh. Swallowing, I was like, "Oh my gosh!" And then the doctors were like, "You know, some some their bones are not fully developed at that point. A lot it's of it's cartilage." Yeah, you kind of you know. So I think for me, worrying about am I physically capable enough mm. to maintain this surveillance twenty four hours a day? Hypervigilance, yes. Does that make sense? Yes. I think that. And looking back at it, yeah. I mean, you have to surveillance a child like a toddler, but it caused me like severe like. Mm. Severe worry mm-hmm. early on. Now I'll look back at it. I mean, you know, the more kids you have, you're just kind of like, oh, they'll be all right. You know what I mean? Like I watched Lily fall now and I'm like, you're okay. Mm-hmm. But when Willie Gray would fall back, oh my gosh, we're going to the hospital. Well, you, the instant reaction is, <gasps> yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and then, I feel like if you, if you don't react that way, most react. of the time there aren't any tears and you're like, oh my gosh, great fall. Good job. Hop back up. And they're like, yeah. I just did that. And you're like, wow, yeah. you're great so tough. Response. It's a total different response yes. with kids. And now Lily, she does her and Lennon both. They just, they're so tough now. They don't, the, nothing phases them. One of her teachers told me that Lennon, she said she just fell off the top of the playground at school and she skinned her knees, got right back up and started running again. I was like, well, 
Maybe we went a little too far. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> no. for sure. But it's, yeah, I think that's good. Also, something else that Suzanne would tell me is like, as long as they are fed, diaper changed, and loved, they're going to be just fine. Mm. <laughs> yeah. So I like to try so to keep it to, the, to that, that yeah. basic. But I feel like as a mom, where I can go back and for me, it was like a lot of it was comparison. That's where I felt the pressure of like, you know, now they've got these, every month you get a picture of your baby. And then you, at the end of 12 months, you've got this whole, I forget it's called something, but everybody's got, not everybody, a lot of people do the every month thing Mm -hmm. or like they'll post a picture of now they're 11 months today or, you know, when they go through and, and I think that's so sweet and, or have like the, the perfect moment on Instagram with every holiday and, um, or mark every milestone and let people know about it. I feel like nowadays that's so much of what it is, at least for moms Mm -hmm. is like, how do I stay on top of making sure I'm marking all these moments. I'm documenting all these moments. Oh my word. She just made this incredible like book of her year of her child. And she posted about it. And I should, I should go to that website and see if I can make a book. And oh my gosh, she had this incredible one year birthday thing. And she made this balloon arch and I don't know where I get a balloon arch. And it's like to try to do all of the things that you, then all of them are sweet memories and great ideas, but they're all from different moms. There is not one mom out there that is truly raising her kids solo or even with a little bit of help that is doing everything that you see. Mm. It's not possible. You can't. You can't do it all or at least she's not taking care of herself if that's the case. <laughs> that's a great reminder. And so I feel like the things that mean the most to you, mm. if you want to look back and see that baby on the mark every month, let that be your thing. Or if you want to make sure that holidays are epic, like You'll get the birthday pictures. You'll get the holiday pictures. You don't have to do the monthly thing. Make holidays really fun. Like, that. let that be your thing. But pick the thing that, like, makes your heart mm. that you enjoy doing for your girls or for my girls. That's what I'm talking to myself. And I truly have tried to pick those things that I feel like I really appreciated when I was a kid. And, you know, to not spread yourself so thin and try to do it all. Because that is so much of what our world is today is you're able to look into everyone's snippets of everyone's lives mm. and kind of see how they do mm. things. And as moms, I think you really want to try to, that's a great idea. Look how happy that made her kids. Oh my word, that's a great picture. I wish we could have a picture like that or that's a great birthday idea. All of the things, it's not possible to do it all. And when you think back to your childhood and the moments that were so sweet for you, just maybe go back there. Go back and simplify. What? What? When did you feel most loved? When did you feel most nostalgic and appreciative of the way that you were raised in childhood moments? And try to target that less about trying to keep up with mm-hmm. everybody else. Oh, so good, y'all. Yes. You two have shared so much rich truth. Yes. So much. It's, conversation could go on for about eight more hours, but we're not going to hold you hostage. We do like to end with something fun. So we move from the substantive to the silly, and we go from parenting to food. So we've got a two-part question for both of you. First question is queso or guac, and the second question is what's your favorite taco? Mm. Oh. Queso for me. Uh, What's that place we went to the other day? Moss Tacos, Mojo. Mojo's. I haven't been. I've oh. heard such great things. I had a, a hot chicken taco, Nashville hot chicken taco that changed my life. Mm. That, that's that's my go-to. That okay. On my list. Okay. Yeah. yeah, that was good. So good. Um, I mean, I never turned down queso, but if the guac has like onion and cilantro and it's like fresh, I'll probably go in for the guac. Really? Over queso? If it's the right guac. Well, okay. But I don't turn down any <laughs> any queso, okay. but if there's a queso there or a really awesome, fresh, well-made guac, I'm going for the guac. Mm. Taco? Mm. I feel like, like right now, what I'm thinking of is the, uh, is it the Baja taco at um, Bar Taco? The fish. Oh, the, the Baja fish taco. Fish? The fish taco at Bar Taco. But if we're on a deserted island, though, like 
cheese gordita crunch from Taco Bell. Oh, boy. Like, let's go. <laughs> okay. And we're back there. A Mountain Dew Baja Blast and some cinnamon twists. I mean, there you go. Go do that for lunch. Oh. Taco Bell. <laughs> so good. Y'all, I, we so I mentioned we have this little summer retreat program, and we just had our staff training this last week, and we were talking about their posture as they engage with kids that are coming and, and knowing that a lot of these kids have been in counseling at Daystar. Mm-hmm. And, and we talked about Larry Crabb. Have y'all ever read any of his stuff? He's a psychologist. Uh-huh. Okay. Dad. Yeah. Last year or two years ago. And he talked about the combination of humility and enthusiasm. And he talked about how everybody wants someone who will jump up and down over them. Oh. And hearing you two talk, you have so much humility as to who you are and and the amount of enthusiasm in who you both are that is so different from each other, but that you are bringing to those girls. Mm. I think they have got to feel so delighted in, so yes. jumped up and down over, and just, wow, I mean... So grateful for this time and conversation. Well, we feel exactly. Thank you all so much. Thank you, well, thank you for thank coming you really and talking it. with us. Yes, it's been so we fun. We love this. Thank you for having it. Thank you. We'll get both. tacos next time. Yeah, for sure. <laughs>It's our joy to bring the experience and insight we gain through our work beyond the walls of the Daystar House. If you enjoyed this conversation, please share it with your friends. And don't forget to click the follow button in your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode. To learn more about our parenting resources or to see if we're coming to a city near you, visit our website at RaisingBoysAndGirls.com. Join us next time for more help and hope as you continue your journey of raising boys and girls.